Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Brother and friend, and your team for the invitation to share God's words with other brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, um, I, it, it's that uh, I couldn't make it to be with you in person, but I'm so grateful that uh, God has blessed us at least with uh, different means to which we can still share God's words with you, even from distance. Uh, my desire was to be with you in person, but uh, due to some small visa complications, that's the reason why I am not in person with you. Nevertheless, and uh, God's, the power of God's word can really uh, reach us from wherever we are. And uh, this is just a blessing that I could, uh, we could use media to share God's words with you. My name is Andre, by the way. I, I know that my brother Femi will do uh, a little bit of introduction. I am based in Cape Town, South Africa. That's where my wife and I have the privilege of leading a church called Common Ground Church, um, specifically the one in the area called Weinbeck, where we have planted for, we've given leadership for the last 11 years. Now, this afternoon i'd love to share with you uh, god's word from Ephesians chapter 4 but before we get to that i'd love to share a little bit of a journey that we went through with uh, a group of friends in 2016. so 2016 uh, a number of us came together we were nine brothers uh, including our wives about 18 of us we started to dream the best way that we could bless our city, Cape Town. On that journey, we came up with the language to say that we are better together. And uh, that did not end there because we wanted really to flush it down to the point that we understand what does that mean. If we say we are better together, we are better together on what? Obviously, there should be something that should uh, that unite us and we can look into that thing in order for us to actually come up with a clear explanation around the meaning of better together. We then come up with a sentence that would say, fill the city with the message, fame, and life of Jesus. You know, again, that is just a statement which we hold on to as a vision for us different congregations, nine of us, but even that we wanted even to go further to say what does this mean if he, someone from outside hear us quoting this line which sounds so great, we want to fill the city of Cape Town with the message, the fame and life of Jesus, they would want to ask more questions what does that mean, then we say that we are going to bless the city of Cape Town for the next five years with five gifts. We needed them to flush it down, that statement, 
fill the city of Cape Town with the message, fame, and life of Jesus, what does it mean in practical ways? We then ended up with these five gifts. We say that together we will multiply Christ followers, congregations, compassion and justice, cultural renewal, and church strengthening. And one of my responsibility was gift five, church strengthening, where we decided to say we will strengthen churches in under-resourced communities and we will strengthen each other. By the way, already before start getting onto this journey, we as these different congregations, we were already collaborating around the gospel. We were already um, strengthening each other in terms of resources such as how to raise up elders, how to really equip small group leaders, also sharing even um, the development of content when it comes to sermons. So we were already doing and also uh, helping each other even financially. But we thought the need to think about the city and to have really a sharp angle and a message so that when people see us together, they can even see the impact of our togetherness. And that's what we did, and we saw God's end. And for us, it was five years and five gifts to the city of Cape Town. I want the same for Lagos. I want the same for the church in Nigeria. I want the same for the church, especially in Lagos, for you leaders who are currently listening to me. Maybe for you it's not a five-year gift or five years gift to the city. Maybe for you it's 30 years. I believe that you are aware that in the next, by 2050, Lagos is going to be the largest city in the world and not on, on our continent. Therefore, it brings a lot of opportunity, gospel opportunities, but also it comes with challenges. Challenges that only one leader cannot stand to face, but you have to think about how can you together as leaders stand at those challenges and also jump into those gospel opportunities. It is my prayer for you that Lagos will have a vision. The church in Lagos will have a vision for that city to see thousands come to know our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I have been mandated to speak about a very important topic. And uh, I am going to, before we jump into that, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. The topic that I've been mandated to talk about is association and collaboration for mission propagation. Now, we cannot talk about collaboration for mission on how to spread the gospel without having to think about the future that the church has. We cannot talk about coming together as leaders and collaborate around the gospel on how we are going to reach people in our city without having to think about the unity. So I have put the title of my message this afternoon to be the church as a future. 
and we see from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 here we learn that this is the major turning point in the letter to the church at Ephesus through chapters 1 to the end of 3 Paul has taught to the Ephesians about the greatness of God's power and he has prayed that they might experience it they might experience that power now his next concern is to appeal to them to live according to this power that is within them that's what Paul is going to be addressing from verse 1 to 16 Paul calls them and calls us to live a godly life in unity but also points towards our diversity and unique gifting in God to bless our cities, our communities, and the continent at large, I can say. Because to this particular group of people, he wanted them to bless their community. But if you think about the people in the room at the moment, we are to think about our communities, we are to think about the cities, but we are to think also at a continent level. But I'm speaking to the leaders who are based in Lagos, and I want to say, think about your city. And the message that Paul wanted to pass to them and to us is the message of unity and diversity. There is no way we can talk about collaboration for mission without first talking about unity and our diversity in the body of Christ. Let's read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your core. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, father of all who is over all and through all and in all but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of christ's gift therefore it says when he ascended on high he led a host of captives uh, captives and he gave gifts to men in saying he ascended what does it mean that but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attend to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes. 
Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Dear Lord, I thank you for your weight. Father Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the truth of your weight. I pray for my brothers who are listening. Lord, I pray that you would prepare their hearts, God, as we dive into your weight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open their understanding. You would give them understanding to the unity that we've just read from your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us to really get the clear understanding of Paul's word, which he gave to the church at Ephesus, which is your word. Lord, today, that this word will become clear to us for our cities, for our communities, and for our continent. May you help us, Holy Spirit. May you guide us, O Lord. May you give us the understanding. For your glory, Jesus, I pray. Amen. I would like to address at least four key themes in this passage. I have to mention up front that it is impossible to see gospel collaboration in the city and the body of Christ if the four things haunt in place, the things that I'm going to share with us now. And the first theme is walk this way. We see Paul in verse 1 is really calling these, his first hearers, he said, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Five times in chapters 4 and 5, Paul gives instruction to us about how we should walk out our faith. When Paul speaks about walk in a manner worthy of your calling, he's talking to us about how we are to walk out our faith. He has spent the first three chapters laying the foundation of our position and power in Christ because of God's presence, and now he kicks into two chapters on how to live out this life. Chapter 4 and chapter 5, that's what Paul is giving his energy to. He wants us, he wants to call us to live, to walk out our faith. Filled by power because of our position and in the presence of God. And I want us to understand this is not the the, the works best, but the grace best that Paul is wanting us. Because sometimes we can misunderstood when talking about work out our faith. We think it's the things that we are to do for God. Now this is based on God's grace. Paul reminds us that part of how we live out our faith is by fighting at least for three things that we see in chapter 4 in the verses that we've read. The first one, we are to, it's through guiding the unity in the faith or the unity in the family of God. And the second one is looking at the ministry of Jesus. And thirdly, equipping and maturing the church. So if it, we are to walk out 
ourselves, we are therefore have to take these three things very serious. So let's go to the second major theme, the one I want to spend some extra time on today, the theme of unity, unity in God's family. Gospel collaboration is difficult without the unity of the body. It is impossible. There is one body and one spirit, we read from verse 4, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your core. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The church has a future because we are united under one true God. As he mentions later, we see two unlikely groups brought together by the grace of Jesus, which is inspiring and very encouraging. And this is possible to see, and it can happen in Lagos. The Fulani united with the Igbo people sitting around the table, collaborating in the name of the gospel, and because the future of the church is trapped within these people, when we say that Christ in us, the hope of glory, and when we say the church has a future, it has a future because the head of the church is Christ, and Christ is calling all sorts of people into his kingdom. Therefore, these people have to think beyond themselves. Paul is making a logical argument in Ephesians, if we are all part of the same body, surely there must be unity among us. That's what Paul is saying. There is no way that we can collaborate around the gospel. There is no way that we can talk mission if we don't talk about unity. If we, we are all filled with the same spirit, it would be encouraging us towards Christ-like unity. If we, we, we all share the same hope and core, we should be moving closer towards unity, not away from it. As some modern Christianity seems to encourage, where we see what I would call the big little lies, where you get a person who thinks everything can only happen through him, because of perhaps maybe his position in society, I am better than you. Or maybe my church is bigger than yours. Friends, it's not anybody's church. It is Christ's church because he's the one who is building his church. I am here to encourage you, but at the same time, I'm here to remind you that whatever you have comes from him. It's not yours. You cannot stand and say, I have the best theology than the guy next door. That's the reason why I cannot collaborate with him. Let me tell you, we can give you the seat of Lagos, but you will never reach out to every person. You need that brother. I have the power. He doesn't have the power. Oh, the idea of this conference, it was my idea at first, but this guy came and put it together. But if it was me, I would have done something better than this. Listen, these are the big little lies that we get to believe. No wonder why the church continues to face a lot of challenges and people are talking so much bad things about us because there are little things that are dividing the church. 
Paul is talking about the unity that already exists and he's talking about how to guide it. We are going to discover that shortly. We can see from the letter so far why Paul has to remind the church of God's call to unity. Here it is because unity between the Jewish and Gentile Christians had been one of his many themes. By the way, it is natural and logical for him to immediately call us to leave out the unity that is created by God among his people. Very natural for him. He is not calling for unity to be created when we read these, passages, these verses. He is pointing out that unity is there to be guided and maintained due to our core belief that we have. And source being the same if we call ourselves leaders and if we call ourselves christians the servant of god the unity is already there that's the reason why we find ourselves in the same room listen to this i hate you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Friends, we have to fight for unity. We have to fight for unity, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Without it, it is impossible to move forward and to see the impact of the gospel in our cities. Especially in such a city as Lagos, where the population is increasing, you cannot stand on your own. You are to stand with other brothers. You are to stand with other brothers. I know some of you are asking, might, might ask the question to say, Hey, Andre, are you saying that when it comes to ministry expression, that guy is too loud, I'm not too loud the way they do things. Listen, a ministry expression to me, it is not an ink issue, it is a pencil issue. He might be loud, but he believes in the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, as the Lord and Savior. Therefore, I have to look at that and say, can I actually collaborate with this brother? It is not about the ministry expression, because those things are not matters of heaven and hell. Those are pencil issues which can easily be rubbed with a rubber. You might say, oh, but by the way, he's, he, he doesn't have a theology for the city. But if you've got a theology for the city, why not inviting the guy into your space and start to dream together? Because if this brother truly believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, he believed that he came to die and he rose from the dead and he seated at the right end of our God and he's interceding for us. He believes in the true God. He believes the same gospel as you believe. He believes in the similar doctrine as you believe. Why pushing the brother away? Because the only one thing I know for sure sometimes around many other things, we get to compare ourselves with other leaders because we look and say, I don't associate with people like that because they're not of my level. There we are talking about education. We are talking where we went to school. We are talking what we are having. Let me tell you this. That's not what Jesus looked at. In fact, the humility for me that Paul is calling us to is the humility to acknowledge, like many other great leaders we see in the Bible, 
When God called Moses, he acknowledges the gift of limit. He knew that he could not do it. He said it, but he was talking to God directly. I wonder if God would appear into your room and talk to you. How much proud you will be to the rest of us, or even myself, to stand and say, God actually spoke to me directly, therefore I'm not of your level. I cannot associate with you. I'm going on my own. But Moses refused to go. He said, I'm not going because I'm unable to speak. Sometimes the humility is to acknowledge that alone you cannot do it. You need some other people. We know about Jeremiah how he really felt when called by god but god said i knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb we know about gideon how this young man claimed and said that, uh, how this man cried and said god you know my family is such a small one i cannot actually i'm not the one to stand and to go we also know about david the boy was called god looked at him and even his son, when we read from Chronicles, David speaks about God stopping him from building the temple. And God chose his son Solomon. And David himself actually said, God had chosen Solomon, my son, to build the temple. But my son is young and inexperienced. God is looking for people like that. Will you admit that you don't have it all together? Therefore, it is important to really fight for the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It is important. And leaders can lead by the example, by embracing the unity that Paul is talking about here. Paul is saying, if this has happened to you, then live accordingly. Live in a way that corresponds to what God has done in your lives. God has powerfully brought you into his kingdom. God is ruling over you with his grace. So show it to other people. Demonstrate what has happened to you, to yourselves and to others. That's what God is calling us to that. What has happened to you, you have to demonstrate it to others. Think about where God took you from. Friends, whatever we have is God's and we can only give what comes from his hands when we stand and sitting and you are looking at the person who is sitting with you around the table do not judge them because they might have what you don't have you might have what they don't have but when it comes to thinking about how to together collaborate and advance the kingdom of God the mission and really to to, to think about the gospel and the impact that the gospel could have on your city, you don't have to disqualify others based on what the world is calling to be the qualification aspect or perspectives. We have to go back to God's words. What is it that God is seeing in this person? What is it that God is calling me to? Paul himself is in prison. As he writes this letter, he is the prisoner in the Lord. He has surrendered his life to serving God no matter what it cost him. Now he asks the Ephesians to live in the, in the same way. So the main thing on Paul's mind as he gives this appeal for godliness is the need for Christian unity. Verses 4 to 6 go on to explain that what God has done to create the unity 
which they must keep. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One body under one Father through one salvation and one faith. That's what we've been called to. We've been called to. The late Michael Eaton writes that Paul was reminding the readers that there are not two churches for Jew and for Gentiles, or for rich or for poor, or for black or white, or whatever. There is one body. Our end game, leaders, should be as outlined by revelations where we see every tongue, tribe, and nation before the throne of God. One people before the Lord. That's when we experience this type of diversity. We get a taste of what heaven will be like one day. Therefore, ours is not to close the door for other brothers. Ours is to open the door. Ours is to collaborate. Ours is to say, how can we together think? How can we guide this unity of the spirit in the bond of peace? Every decision we make should be towards that vision, not away from it. We want to fight for unity, and we have to fight for it. And diversity in the kingdom of God is something that we should rejoice over because it is a gift and it is a blessing. As Paul is encouraging in Ephesians, you know, we should be at the forefront of unity because we all find our same source in Christ. When we call ourselves Christians or we call ourselves servants or we call ourselves leaders, we should be at the forefront of unity. We should fight for unity. We should make sure that there is unity in the body of Christ. And I have to mention this. Unity can seem easy to achieve if you choose to just be around people who think as you do. In this case, I'm speaking to the majority, I believe, in the room. You are Nigerians and you are mainly from Lagos. You know, if you love the super egos, I think to create unity, if you are around the fans of super ego, if you love soccer, you know, that's, I cannot, in my view, look at that and say this is really the unity that the, the God is calling us to. Because those are the people who love what you love. They like what you like. They, they speak the same like you. They, they enjoy the same things that you eat, the same things that you read. You know, this unity in diversity that the scriptures God is calling us to is a totally different one. And you may ask the question, how do you know that you are truly getting it right in terms of when it comes to unity in diversity. You will know when you start socializing with people whose view of the soccer game is a little different to you. 
or who back a different team than you or enjoy different aspects of game than you do. So when you say that it is only the super egos and this person can come and say, no, it's not only the super egos, there are also leopards. There are also great elephants. And you should be okay with that, then you have to make a decision. Do I allow this person to be around me? But in most cases, what, we, what do we do? We don't move towards that direction because we automatically consider them as our enemies. They are stepping into our territories. We don't want them. They are taking my people. Think about that leaders. You know, they are really moving towards my people. I think where they're going, we have to try the best so that we can put the most bigger, the biggest banner so that people can see us and they don't see them. We have to make sure that our speakers, when we're having the conference or when we're having our church meetings, we have to make sure that we are too loud so that people don't go there and listen to this. You have to be secured in your identity. You have been called by God, and the one who has called you is faithful. He's the one who started the work, and he's the one who is going to finish it. You know, to know that you are really getting it right, you have to be able to accommodate people who are different to you. Easy. We see this in Acts chapter 11. You're ever stopped to 18. Because of time, we want to get to really read the all verses, but this is, you'd know the story of Peter. Peter is at Joppa, and then this man on the other side, the Gentiles, had a visitation of God and sent some messengers to call Simon Peter so that Peter could come and tell this man how he, he, he should be saved. And his, Peter's Jewish friends, started to blame him. Now, Peter needed to explain himself. He said, the Holy Spirit in Vestov told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me and we are soon, um, then we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. He, he told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messages to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, The Holy Spirit fall on them just as he fall on us at the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's word when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? This is beautiful. Who was I to stand in God's way? Who are you to stand in God's way? Who am I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Friends, listen, it is God who is calling people in his kingdom. The other leaders you are sitting with, it is God who has called them into his kingdom. Therefore, who are you to close or stop them from dreaming about the 
city where God has placed them. By the way, God did not place you in the same city by accident. There is a plan, there is a reason that you have believed in the same God, that you've got the same gospel. God placed you together for a greater vision, greater than the one that you have. And you can achieve it together if you look at yourselves and said we are better together. Whether it's tribes or culture, income brackets or political leaning, the world tells us we cannot achieve unity when we are different. The gospel begs to differ. The gospel is saying it's possible. The picture that Paul gave to the Ephesians, and I believe God is calling us to, is that unity is something to be maintained, guarded and to fight for. We have to fight for unity, friends. Paul is reminding these groups in this church that at the foot of Jesus' cross, we found equality as sinners forgiven by him. And at the foot of his throne, we found equality as brothers and sisters in Christ. No Gentiles, no Jew. Paul is merely reminding us that we are to guard the unity we already have in Christ. That we are one under one Father, one in one body, that God has made one in the same salvation in one Christ we believe in, one faith, one baptism. That's what Paul is reminding us. Paul is reminding the readers and us that there is far more that unites us as we press into God's completely and into the body he is building and the faith in Jesus and his gift of salvation than what divides us. When you think about the things that divide us, they are little things compared to what unites us. So we are to press into God. We are to press into Christ. We are to press into his mission and the gospel. Therefore, we can press towards God more together. We find that we are more united in him and we can fight to guard our unity. Part of fighting for this unity might be finding fresh ways together. You know, how we can worship the same way that you've gathered, the same way that this conference has been put together. That is ways that you can start to fight for the unity. Coming and worshiping together, praying together, you celebrate together and socialize together. Learning each other's preferences and desires and preferring each other in, in, in all the above all other things. You have to start to look and really encouraging one another in terms of the ministry and the calling that you have received. So much to share on this point, but we need to run because of time. Let's move to the to Christ ministry. The next piece of the scripture can seem confusing, especially since it is one of those passages that uh, different theologians have different interpretation for it. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into lower regions, the earth? 
He who descended, descended, he is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. What does these lower parts of the earth mean? You know, there, there are so many, um, so many versions to this. Some think it is a reference to his coming to, the, to planet earth as a man down the very earth. Others believe it refers to the depths of the suffering on the cross, as John Kevin thought. Now, the late Michael Eaton believed it meant that Jesus descended to the lowest level of the universe, the realm of the dead. Jesus, the conqueror of death, fills the universe with his power. He is aid over all things for the church. From his position as king of the universe, he gives people to be blessing to his church. So he gives us to be a blessing to his church. He gives you as a leader to be a blessing to his church. He has authority over all. We have no position in Christ without him descending to earth first to overcome sin and death. We have no position. We can call ourselves servants. We can call ourselves prophets. We can call ourselves evangelists. We can call ourselves apostles, etc. But I have to say to you, we have no position in Christ without him descending to earth first to overcome sin and death. We have no power without him ascending back to heaven, having completed the work of the cross and the resurrection. We have no power. We don't have the feeling presence of the Holy Spirit that fills the earth if Jesus does not make us his temple. This is powerful. He is the one who makes us his temple. So that people may experience him in us, not outside Christ. Our unity and maturity is possible because of Jesus descending and ascending. Because Jesus conquered sin and death, we have the freedom to live in unity with each other. Jesus is the only reason the church has a future. There is no way that the church can have a future without Jesus. And we should count it privileged to be part and parcel of God's mission for what he is doing in and through his church. But he's the one holding the future, and the church has a future for sure. Do you want to be part of the future that Jesus has for his church? Friends, it is Jesus who is building the church. It is not us. We have to count it a privilege to be part of God's mission. Therefore, I see no reason why brothers cannot come together to collaborate around God's mission on how to reach their city for Jesus. Final theme is equip, build up, maturity, and unity again. Again, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, unity uh, until we all attend to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure 
of the stature of fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The goal here is that the gospel that is started in us would continue in us to the end of maturity. That's the goal. The goal of God's gift is the full maturity of his church. As leaders, we are to understand and we are to be living our day-to-day -day life as God gives us the power to do what we are called to do. We have to think about the goal for God's church. And the goal for God's church is the full maturity. God gives these ministries until we become a full-grown person. That's the reason why God gives these ministries. Now think about it. Do you want to be on your own to play apostle, to play a, an evangelist, to play a prophet on your own? Do you think the church in your city will get to the level of maturity that God is wanting for the church if you are to stand and to be everything? I don't think so. The church... He's like a person who grows from being a child to be fully developed. Maturity is not being swept along by false teaching. That's what Paul is saying. The purpose is that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of teaching by human cunning, by craftiness in the scheming of error. Here, we can see that maturity Sometimes we spend so much time fighting for things that we shouldn't be fight, fighting for. We are losing the opportunity. I've heard other leaders who complain in the cities where they said, you know, that, that guy is a fake one. That person is a fake one. That person is a fake one. Listen to this. What about standing and saying, God, I am crying out to you. Show me the people I can collaborate with so that we can see the gospel transform not only other people, including that brother, that you feel like is not getting it right. Maturity is not being swept along by false teaching. And we should not be distracted by what is happening in the city. We should have the focus and understanding what is really the goal. What is it that God wants for his church? If God really wants maturity for his church, then we are to be committed to be the people who are making sure that we are preaching the true gospel, that we are standing and guiding, and that can only happen when we stand together in unity of the Spirit. And we have to fight for that. The church goes through childlike immaturity for a time. 
And when you read Paul's epistles, you read Paul's letters, you understand that the early church was never just being birthed and become mature at once. No. The church graduates. It's like a child. It grows into maturity. And there are all these challenges which are normal. So I would encourage you leaders, sometimes it's not good to just disqualify other brothers because you are looking at them and you say they are very immature, therefore I cannot collaborate with them. They are very mature, therefore I cannot associate with them. Listen to this. When we read, today we are so privileged that we've got all the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, and those letters are saving us, and you can see the issues these churches were wrestling with. It is the same in Lagos. There are so many people, sometimes other brothers, they just don't know how to do it. They don't understand it. Therefore, chasing them or pushing them far away is not really giving them a good service. You have to think and pray for them and say, God, how can we win these brothers over how can we come together? How can we start to talk and think about our city together? Maturity is speaking the truth in love. You know, you move towards a brother, you love the brother. You see the effort, the brother is trying hard. He's got only 30 people every Sunday, but the brother is there. It's there on Sundays, there on Wednesday. He's trying his best, but you move towards the brother and say, Brother, listen, I'm not coming here to judge you. But I'm coming here to see how you do things. The humility. You are speaking the truth in love to see what your brother is doing and to see what you are doing. And said, is there room for us to collaborate? So maturity is speaking the truth in love. It is the combination of boldly standing by what God has revealed plus a loving manner towards those who are not pleased with us when we obey God's truth. Maturity is a matter of adapting speedily to what God shows us. The mature leader is so open to the Lord Jesus Christ that in many areas of life, in every way, he grows into Christ. That is, he moves into obedience to Christ and fellowship with Christ. Maturity is learning to live on energy provided by Christ, not energy provided by ourselves, not energy coming from a strategy, but energy that is provided by Christ. Maturity is a matter of holding together in loving unity. Paul comes back to the theme he has already treated through chapters 3 and 4. The whole body is joined and brought together. Friends, the church grows for the purpose of building itself up in love. The kind of growth it has in mind is partly numerical, but it is also growth in holiness. The greatest part of which is love. And I want to call you to that. Leaders, I want to call you to that. Paul leaves us with a compelling picture of the future of God's church. God is Therefore, the church will remain one faith, one salvation, one body in Christ. Jesus came to settle all accounts and to make the field, the playing field, levered. We all were equally guilty before a righteous judge. And now we are equally saved into one faith 
and one body under one father because of the price Jesus paid on the cross. Over and over, Paul reminds us to keep this in clear focus and that we bring us, that will bring us to the knowledge, our unity in God and understanding Paul's charge to us in Ephesians chapter 4 to maintain that unity that Christ has given us. In closing, I want to say this. For you, the brothers in Lagos, I believe as I was preparing and thinking and praying for you, that Lagos is such a massive city with immense potential and opportunities, gospel opportunities at multiple levels. You don't need to think about how you can collaborate for the next two years or three or five years. You have to think about how you can love Lagos and collaborate for the next 30 years. Think about a vision 2050. Come together, pray to the Lord, and ask the Lord to lead and guide you. Let your language be, I love Lagos. I want to leave you with this encouragement. Colossians 3, 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with, one, with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unit. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.